1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for joining us on today's show, where you will learn about guiding children to live with compassion, how educators can teach universal love and acceptance. My first guest today is Craig Pomrans. Craig Pomrans is an internationally known singer, song stylist, actor, and author. His first children's book, Made by Rafi, is published in eight languages, And 11 countries to date. And I'm actually really happy to say, Craig, that this list is growing. What was the inspiration for Made by Rafi? It was actually based on an
2: incident with my godson and a remarkable thing for me. And when people hear it, he was around eight or nine years old, and he was just uh, having difficulty at school because all the kids were so noisy and loud and all they they would say, dude, and they were just all these things that were very contrary to him. And he looked at me and he said, is there such a thing as a Tom girl? And I froze for a second because I thought to myself, Well, there is no word as Tom, but how insightful that this kid came up with that word because Tom boy nowadays is kind of a positive thing. It's like, you know, you know, she's assertive and she can do this, but immediately you hear the word Tom girl and there's a negative aspect to it. And I thought, why is that? And what is that about? And I literally
1: uh, went home and wrote the book. Wow. And talk about Rafi's hobby because I think it's pretty cool. He, yes. So part of what was going
2: on was that he was very sort of, I don't want to say ADD, but you know, he was hyper and he had a lot of time, trouble focusing on things. And so it occurred to me that if I gave him knitting needles and and knitting and yarn, that it might help him focus. And he had an hour plus long ride from Manhattan to Queens where his school was. And so he started knitting on the school bus and he, he just really took, it helped him focus. He was very grounded. He was able to really, and he loved doing it. So that's how it started. And then that equally, while he was knitting, a lot of the kids were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that You're a boy. Why are you knitting kind of thing? So that sort of also escalated the other aspects of what happened in the book.
1: Well, what's interesting about knitting, because we've actually done shows on knitting, mindfulness and stress reduction, that you were spot on in giving Rafi these tools. Thank you. It really
2: was wonderful to see how immediately it helped him sort of block out the world that was hard for him. And he was able to focus and also the dexterity of it. I mean, I think there was so much about knitting and sewing that was just so good for him.
1: And then the flip side, some of the other issues that it brought to the forefront were bullying gender identity diversity talk a little bit about that both in his experience and in the book made by rafi
2: and that's what happened was that he started knitting on the bus this is all based on real incidents that happened with him so he started knitting on the bus and the kids started like teasing him about it you know why are you knitting and and then the kind idea of like that's so girly and then then which is why when he came he came up with this idea of like is there such a thing, he said to me, is there such a thing as a Tom girl, which of course was not a word I'd ever heard, and why I wrote the book. And that brings up all sorts of other questions that we have, had, right? I mean, why? What does that make girls think? Why is it a negative thing? Why is femininity or being feminine a negative versus masculinity being a positive thing? So it was a very layered uh, concept for me <laughs> as well to sort of d- discover. So he was being teased, but because he was so focused and started producing such interesting things like scarves and gloves. And uh, ultimately for the school, he wrote, he'd made a costume for the play. And all of a sudden everyone was like, instead of teasing him, respecting him for what he did, you know? And then all of a sudden they were like, well, maybe he'll be a famous designer someday, you know? (laughs) So it just totally just that focus and that respect totally changed everything.
1: Well, you know, and what I hear you saying is by allowing Rafi to step into his creative genius, right? He blossomed, he flourished. Yeah,
2: he like any of us. I mean, I think the whole what I hope for is that we understand that it's only a good thing to try on different skins, (laughs) whatever that means to you. So and yeah, he was able to sort of discover that he hasn't had a talent that he would never have known about and that might have been discouraged, which is also ironic considering that the most famous designers and sewers and knitters in the world are in fact probably men. And yet when you as a, as young people, you don't think of like, Oh, I'm going to grow up and learn how to knit and sew. So it, it's funny how our society changes labels these things and changes them or blocks people from finding their their authentic self if we want to put it that way
1: i do want to put it that way because here's a child that was having some behavioral challenges it sounds like and through you know trial and error discovers his gifts yeah yeah
2: absolutely and
1: the other issue when when we talk about
2: bullying or teasing is when you are so focused or you do find and you have the support of uh the people around you you know the, then the you don't you don't become a victim of the circumstances and that's one of the things i really hope for as well is that i don't want i want children to try on lots of different skins discover who they are make their mistakes i know as as parents everyone wants to protect the child And I'm always saying, first of all, you can't protect your child. (laughs) And second of all, you can't stop bullying. But what you can do is you can help a child find their whole self. And when they feel whole, then they don't become a victim of the circumstances
1: around them because they're sort of okay. Did that make sense? It makes perfect sense. What a journey for Rafi's parents to travel with him. I mean, what did they learn as a result of the journey, ongoing journey? Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: and it's an interesting issue because as I was saying about how, you know, parents, this idea of protecting a child, and there's another issue about that. And that's interesting to me that I've been talking recently about. And that is that, you know, there are a lot of sort of very, quote unquote, evolved parents who want their kids to like, find themselves and but they say to them, you know, yeah, you can do like a little boy who might wear high heels, for instance. And they say you can wear high heels at home, but out in public, you don't want to do that. And they don't see how that double negative <laughs> that, yeah. that turns on them. So it's interesting for, for these parents to sort of come to terms with, you know, not only is my child dif- different or, or have his own self, if we learn to embrace his own self in the world as well, then we're all better for it. We're all more whole for it.
1: But this is stepping into some very challenging territory for many of us. You and I live at the coast, right? You're in New York City. I'm outside of Los Angeles, which I think we can all agree is fairly liberal, fairly accepting of diversity. But people who live in other areas of the country or overseas may see what we just described as something that would be exceedingly challenging for them.
2: Yeah, and which is why the the important part is to... Not is to reinforce the support you have for a child when they're trying to find out who or what they are. And as I said, once they have the security to know you are your own special person, whoever that is, then the, the rest of it is sort of easier. It doesn't affect them in the same way, I think. It is very complicated. And and for me, one of the greater issues that has come up out of this is this whole issue of masculine versus feminine anyway. And it's fascinating. I've I've been quoting Gloria Steinem constantly, (laughs) paraphrasing rather, because she had once said, we've begun to raise our daughters more like sons, but very few have the courage to raise our sons more like daughters. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I've ever since I ever heard that I've been fascinated by the concept of what do our what do girls think when they hear in the world if why is it a bad thing or why is it negative or what it's it's it really frustrates me to think that there's an immediate uh, negativity to the idea so
1: you know the story you tell of Rafi makes me think of a little girl when my children were young there was a student in one of their schools who would only wear boys' clothing. She was raised in a household of boys. She was the only female sibling. And for the first several years of her life, she dressed as a boy and her parents did nothing, which was fabulous. They let her just do her thing and figure it out. And it was to her benefit that this happened. And But not every family is going to approach the situation in the same way. No.
2: Then you have a battle of ideas among adults and children. And because then the child will more likely either rebel against a parent, forcing them to do something or they'll do it to please the parent. But then where's the learning or the experience of this is uncomfortable. I don't want to do it or I'm doing it anyway. I mean, there's it's complicated and it's it's not great for for kids. Unfortunately, it's it's hard. It's very hard let alone that just social media and the ads we have on television and movies and TV, everything, they also play such a, a really severe role in this.
1: And what we start talking about then is about sexuality, even though, of course, in a young person, it's not about sexuality, but it's about gender, gender preferences, and how we step into our sexual identity as we age and allowing space and opportunity for it to unfold in its right time without labels.
2: Embracing our differences is a wonderful concept. And yet I think that and what we all, I think, strive for, I hope anyway. But, you know, that's a good point because, you know, not every boy who knits, you know, and likes, you know, Broadway musicals is gay, right? right. Or Correct. Not every, and not every boy who plays sports is straight, you know, and nor, and, and nor should it be, you know, that's not, so that's, you know, but they should all, everyone should be allowed to find out in their own way who they are.
1: Yes. And this is the beauty of your book, Made by Rafi. And it's not a coincidence that the book is is being so well received and it's being translated into other languages. Talk a little bit about that and, and what that's been like. It's been
2: amazing, for me personally, I mean, the whole thing, because I think I I had talked to you before we started how I'd always forgotten once it had come out, I forgot how impactful a children's book can be anyway. yeah Um, And then, you know, but I started hearing from all over the world. One of the first emails I ever got was from Turkey, from a guy who bought his nephew uh, the book because he thought, particularly in this day and age, the way Turkey regime is, that his family needed to know that his nephew, whatever, however different he was, was embraced and should be allowed to be whoever he was. And that was difficult in a very conservative society, you know, and so it, it clearly crosses all cultures and all languages. And that's a wonderful experience to know.
1: Very much so. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Craig Pomeranz to learn more about the work of Craig Pomeranz, his music, his book, his incredible history. You can go to CraigPomeranz.com on Twitter at MadeByRafi. And that's R-A-F-F-I. That's the name of the book. And on Facebook, you could find him at Craig Pomeranz. And that's P-O-M-R-A-N-Z. As we go to break, I want to bring your attention to a song entitled Different that was written by Amanda McBroom, who also wrote Bette Midler's The Rose and The Land Before Time, and Michelle Browerman, who wrote The Land Before Time in My Favorite Year. So let's take a listen as we dance to the break.
2: Each of them a wonder, neither quite the same. Though they may be similar in form and name, girls play baseball,
0: boys knit hats different. To learn more about cultivating sustainable well-being at home and the office, visit harvestinghappiness.com and explore Lisa's experiential on-site brain fitness workshops, corporate programming, and speaking engagement services.
1: Catch a snowflake in your... Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, you are returning with the beautiful song, different written by Amanda McBroom and Michelle Browerman. My guest today is Craig Pomeranz. He's an internationally known singer, song stylist, actor, and author. We're talking about his children's book made by Rafi, which celebrates diversity. And at the break, Craig, you and I were talking about the ability to be free, to be who we are, liberated to step into our best selves is happiness.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But, and I think that all of us can relate to sadly that it's one of the hardest things to do, right? I mean, I think the, I think one of the interesting lessons one learns in life, if you can learn it, is to know that you are allowed to be loved and I think that so many people find that message hard to take in. So if we can find our authentic selves, we can certainly find out that we deserve to be loved.
1: Well, yeah, we are worthy of love, that we are worthy of belonging. And our preferences to how we want that to happen is our own business.
2: Right. <laughs> but I just think it's interesting that, that it's so hard for people to believe it.
1: Yes. And and
2: so many times, and I have all these sort of serious conversations with people, or when we say to somebody, look, you know, in a very serious way, you know, you deserve to be loved, I love you, and that they break down in tears, because it's like, they don't hear it, let alone take it in that that's true.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh, this has been a theme around here recently, we have been doing a lot of shows about this. And I've been writing a lot about this concept of it's really the big love, right? It's, it's that unconditional positive regard for another person that just because you're here, because you are, you are deserving of that. And that's very scary for some people. It's big. It's really big. It's definitely big. And one of the, so one of the
2: interesting things about it, it, just to go back to the book is that, is that that's why I think it dredges up so much, uh, emotional territory in in adults as well as children, because they, I mean, children are just beginning to learn, but adults, they like, it all of a sudden takes them way back to like all the instances in their lives when they were bullied or when they were teased or when they basically did not know who their authentic self was, or more importantly, did not believe they deserved to be loved or taken seriously or respected, respected as well.
1: Or maybe we were the bully. You know, so often yeah. I hear people. You even mentioned this prior to the interview about you know, be some some people discovering oh they were that bully they were yeah. that person.
2: And, yeah, that, that was really interesting to me that that I've heard from several adults who were saying that they realized their child after reading the book to their child that their child was the bully. Yeah, it was interesting.
1: Yeah, let's talk about parental support and parental discoveries. In okay. made by Rafi. You touched upon it a little bit, but the importance of in in Rafi's case, his parents truly supporting and nurturing his growing interest and skills in both knitting and sewing. Yeah, they they just and it's really it was a it was a true
2: story, and and it was, you know, it was one of those moments where you look at someone and say, I completely understand why you're one of my best friends, that you could Take this situation, which a lot of people would find really difficult uh, with a child and look at that child and say, you know something, you are our, you are Rafi. You are our Rafi. You're your own special person and we're proud of you. And, you know, this is, this is life and we're going to learn more about what happens as we go on this journey, (laughs) you know. And I loved that. There was no attempt to put that away. Don't do this, or maybe you should do this differently, or have you thought? You know, it was just a very welcoming, supportive thing to do. And it wasn't. It, it wasn't encouraging. There's there's a difference, and maybe you're better explaining this. That there's like a difference between supporting and encouraging behavior. Yeah. And uh, because I, I, sometimes when you encourage behavior, it, it can be the wrong behavior or something. But if you're just supportive of what's happening, then, then the person can learn the, through themselves what works and what doesn't work. I hope anyway.
1: I, I, I agree. You know, the, the, the supporting is, you know, making the tools and resources available that nurture and nourish our children's interests without force feeding it. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. It's like, and then and the, isn't that the point of parenting is, is, is really to guide and let go?
1: Yes. Khalil Gibran wrote about that. One of his most famous pieces about children being the arrows that are shot from our bows, that if we do our jobs well, that they are merely passing through. We're We're the vehicle that allows them to move into who and what they are meant to be. I love that. You know, it's um, and we don't really see that when we are in the midst of our parenting. A because you know it's stressful, it's challenging. Um, children don't come with instruction manuals, right? You know, like it's like whoa, <laughs> here I am. Yeah, and I think that everyone. I think that everyone, whatever kind of
2: caretaker you are, parent or uncle or whatever, is that is that you know you you come with somewhat preconceived notions. And you and you hope that you can let them go while life is happening. But, you know, because of how you grew up or how that you see them them growing up and you sort of sort of have this immediate idea of what's going to happen. And sometimes you you don't let it happen organically. And then and then it's a it becomes a bit of more of a problem because it becomes that's when judgment becomes um, in their uh, part of it and. And then after judgment, then it's like you have got labels and all that other stuff, so it, it gets harder.
1: It, it's it's very interesting you mentioned that because there may be a day where Rafi says, "You know, I'm not really not interested in uh, knitting or sewing anymore. I think I'll pick up the trombone." <laughs> exactly, and it could yeah. happen.
2: Or yeah, or or maybe he, maybe that'll be the day he'll decide he wants to kick a football. I
1: mean, who knows? You know, we I don't. Mean, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But we know, and that, we have to let
2: him let him or her find that uh, find that.
1: You know. You know, my, my son has a, a good friend who is an amazing musician. The kid is like a, really a savant. He's so good. And he decided, um, after his first year of university that he wanted to change his majors. Uh, His major. And he, the reason was he said that, that it became a chore, that the thing that he was most passionate about became the thing that was most troubling and challenging because he wasn't doing it because of the passion anymore. He was doing it out of obligation.
2: Right. And that, and that change, that's sort of what I was trying to say. Well, I wasn't very clear when I was saying there's a difference between being supportive and encouraging and, uh, I don't know the other word you would use about not forcing but you know pushing a child into an area that they don't necessarily you know when you start to push them then as you, as you're you mentioned by this kid you know they 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 get resentful and then they start to realize it's a different problem and it's not so much what they loved or what they thought they loved which would be a it's a it, you have to let them go through that too because if it's really his passion hopefully he will come back to it
1: exactly and he had the awareness enough to recognize that, oh, this is now taking something that I was once completely um, enlivened by and made it so obligatory that the joy is gone. And I'm yeah. going to step away from it and I'm going to see where that takes me and then play purely for pleasure.
2: Yeah. Well, and also, you know, we start to think about how everyone, they start kids everyone starts to engage with other people about these issues, right? So you start to think, you know, is it taking me away from any kind of socialization? Or is, is it helping me become socialized? Or is it, I mean, it, you know, it, all these other layers come on top of it. And so for a, for a young person to start to analyze that for themselves, that's growth. That's wonderful growth, you know, because that's a person who hopefully will, if it really is his passion, will come back to it. And I I, I applaud him for that.
1: And I think when we talk about authenticity, um self-mastery, self-regulation, all the things that we wish for our children, and hopefully we have been able to master for ourselves, and I say hopefully because not all of us get there, um these are the, the tools that lead us to a happy life. And if we are pigeonholed into being something or someone that society tells us we should be, You know, I'll be you know, we shouldn't be a boy that knits or sews because that's girly, you know, Mm -hmm. or we shouldn't be a girl that plays football or wears boys clothes because that's not what nice girls do. I mean, there's all kinds of stigma associated with this.
2: Yeah. And it's a fascinating problem in the world today because kids are asked more and more to label themselves at a much younger age.
1: Yeah. And that can be confusing. I mean, I, my, my daughter, who is about to graduate from college, when she first went to college, she went to a very progressive school in New York City, the new school, which is right in your backyard. And when she didn't she, call me, she didn't call you, but you know, she, she would now. <laughs> when, when she got there, she was very confused because she was asked to identify her gender and she, she didn't know. She was like very sheepishly. She goes, mom, I am like, girl. You know, female, yeah. like she yeah. didn't, she didn't know she didn't. And, and we don't know what we don't know. And I think that books like this made by Rafi educate all of us, it, not just the child, but the parent and teachers and and, and educators and the extended family. I mean, you're the, go, you're the godparent, right? You know, it yeah. was your wisdom that brought this to light. Well,
2: and I hope that she would be able to find in a book like this that, you know, it's okay not to know. You know, you'll make that discovery as well. And and uh, and to not be afraid of it. I mean, I think that there's a big I think the biggest problems with all of these issues is, of course, the ignorance, because that's all about fear of the unknown.
1: Yeah. And not Uh, being like me.
2: Yeah. And then the impatience of like, why don't I know sooner? You know, the reality is. You know, we grow up to be adults and we still don't know. It's a journey yeah. for all of us, which, by the way, is what life is about. It's a journey that hopefully you embrace and you open your mind and your arms and you say, give it to me. Let me see what I can find.
1: And at the end of the day, it's all about love, you know, that we get to it. experience this life with love, being loved, giving love, being true to ourselves, um, living our best loving life. And that may not be made out of a cookie cutter
2: no and again we, we're going back to we all deserve to be loved and and i cannot tell you it is one of the most powerful it is the most powerful word and phrase to tell people you know and because you'll tell people and they just will look at you some people will look at you funny and i mean i I'm very lucky. Uh, other people may not think that they're lucky knowing me, but I'm <laughs> very lucky because I'm not afraid of that, that kind of conversation. And I cannot tell you how many times I have a number of friends right now that actually, actually they're in Big Sur right now getting married. I remember saying to this guy, you know, you know, I love you. I just, I, you know, I love you. And he just looked at me with such sort of shock and, and like tears in his eyes because, you know, he just, no one tells him that, yeah. you know. And I just thought, what a shame, you know. It's like, and here you, I mean, I'm sure his his wife now that you have she, maybe, I mean, but it's just, it's just not something we verbalize enough to people.
1: And it is the uh, the secret sauce. It heals. We have run out of time. I can't believe it. To learn more about the work of Craig Pomerantz, his music, his book, Made by Rafi, please visit Craig That's Craig P-O-M-R-A-N-Z dot com. On Twitter at Made by Rafi, and that's R-A-F-F-I. And on Facebook, Craig Pomeranz. We're going to leave you with an excerpt of different, written by Amanda McBroom, who wrote Bette Midler's The Rose and the Land Before Time, and Michelle Browerman, who wrote The Land Before Time and My Favorite Year. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Catch a
2: snowflake in each hand, perfect. Find two shells upon the sand, perfect. Each of them a wonder,
0: neither quite the same.
1: Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about guiding our children to live with greater compassion, how educators can teach universal love and acceptance. And my next guest is Ariane de Bonvoisin. She is a best-selling author, a speaker, and has previously worked in the various fields of consulting, big media, venture capital, and startup. She is a global soul and has lived all over the world and fluently speaks four languages. Ariane is a graduate of the London School of Economics and holds an MBA from Stanford. She currently lives in New York City with her family where she spends a lot of time asking some really important questions. Ariane, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks, Lisa. So good to be on with you.
1: Oh, it's it's lovely to have you. You have written uh, some new books. The first one that I'm looking at in my hands, my hot little hands are Giggles and Joy, Mm. Spiritual Life Lessons for Kids. And there are others. This is a series that you have written that addresses some really important topics, goals, and skills that we as happy humans need Mm. to possess. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely. You know, my, my background was I grew up all around the world, uh, three continents, six countries, and I was given a very traditional education, sort of above the neck, where the mind was valued and really nothing else and performance and achievement. That's Kind of what mattered, and was what I thought the world was about, so I pursued careers and big degrees, as you read in my bio and you know early thirties, I realized this was not really going to fulfill the the spirit and the soul and the heart and what I was here to be doing. So I did big shift, changed out of the corporate, broke off an engagement, and I started trying to integrate the more the inner life and the outer life. And, you know, I've, I've written a bunch of books and I do a lot of coaching and I see that so many grown-ups what we struggle with is really what happened in our childhoods or what did not happen in our childhoods. And so much of how our, our brain was informed happens when we are very young. And so I, I recently was like, you know what, can I do something for parents, for grandparents, for godparents who have the responsibility of our tiny humans to also help instill life skills you know, as and when they are growing up.
1: Ah, Beautiful. I mean, these books are really lovely. Um, The other one that I'm holding, You Are Loved, Spiritual Life Lessons for Kids and Being You, Spiritual Life Lessons for Kids. And I Mm -hmm. think there are more in the series, but these are the ones that captivated my heart. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I I thought long and hard, do I want to call these spiritual life skills? And I think it's It's time, you know, the world needs to know and remember that when you talk of mind, body, spirit, the mind gets a lot of attention, the body and health of the body is now getting a lot of attention. But the the spirit of a child and the spirit of a grown up needs to be getting a lot of attention. You know, you hear about suicides of what appear to be very happy people. And, you know, part of it is a spiritual crisis. It's sort of, what are we here to be being? Why are we here? Why do tough things happen? And so, nurturing a child spirit as much as nurturing a parent spirit that is usually beyond exhausted or beating themselves up about that. Um, you know, the books are about love. They're about optimism. They're about humor. They're about forgiveness and letting things go. They're about acceptance. They're about breathing. They're about, you know, self honoring and self forgiveness. And I-, I wanted to do that in a way where, where Parents who, of course, want to bring those to children, I wanted to give them something practical. Here's how you do it. You know, here's how you are with a child having a bad day. And by the way, if you're having a bad day, have a conversation about how it is to have a bad day with your child. Here, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be mad. You know, it's it's sort of stretching out the emotional side of you as the grown-up and giving permission to your, your child. Which is so
1: important for many of us when we grew up, maybe we grew up in a time where it wasn't okay to be mad or it wasn't okay to be frustrated, that we were expected to just be compliant and roll with whatever we were told to do.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely a product of that environment and it it took a lot for me to allow myself to find my voice, like my real authentic voice, you know, and to. Say know, or I don't want to study this, or I don't want to be in this job, or I don't want to continue living in this place. And I think, you know, it's so important. I did a TED talk recently on life skills that we must be teaching our kids. And the first one I, I speak about is what I call humanity skills. And by humanity, I mean, bringing permission back to all people of all ages, you know, the big people and the little guys, that we're allowed to be human and we're allowed to make mistakes and we're allowed to be upset. And that's part of the human experience. And expecting to raise good boys and good girls, you know, is not really complete. Of course, we would like that. And of course, we want our children to be kind. But what I often tell parents is, you know, the most important kindness is towards self It's not really towards others because a child who is kind towards themselves will naturally want to be kind towards someone else. And you know, I'm very observant of children and what they their inner voice and their the self-criticism and the self-blame and self-judgment, the self-comparison, that is what gets children into into trouble when they're teenagers and you know, I then see them as as adults where we say horrible things about ourselves. And when, you know, I, I teach kids that when someone's acting badly, whether they're bullying or being mean or saying mean things, it's because they are feeling bad about themselves, about something going on at home, so that there's an understanding about why that's there. So there's a, there's, to, to me, what's in the books is a lot about the child understanding the world. There's a, there's a life skill about grownups. You know, which is how do you understand grown-ups? They're irrational. Sometimes they come home in a good mood. Sometimes dad wants to talk to me. You know, that's an important thing. And the same thing for us. Like, why is my spouse cold today? Why is my spouse very kind?
1: Well, I think, you know, what I hear you saying is that we're really talking about emotional reciprocity. You know, that that leading by example, as parents, grandparents and readers of the book to children or to whoever receives this book Mm. and for children to understand and normalize the human experience. Right. Because we do learn what we're shown.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Which is why these books, you know, and, and so much of the rest of my work is about. Empowering the grown ups to, you know, I didn't get most of these skills growing up and my parents did the absolute best they could and they were, they were focused on really educating me in a way that was going to fit in with that world. And, you know, my my hope is to sort of stretch out the toolbox, which is educating the mind is beautiful, brilliant, keep doing it. And there's an education of the softer side, the skills, the passion, the uniqueness, and the spiritual side. It is urgent for children to understand, you know, religions, the world religions, because they will sit next to children in class who, who believe different things than they do. And so, you know, the hope for the books is not, it's to unify, it's to be universal, it's to understand prayer across, you know, the whole gamut of things where there's, there's more of a, a need to bring together as opposed to separate.
1: And when you talk about spirituality and the idea of keeping church and state separated, you're really not speaking, in in my view, about traditional religion, more about this sense of wonder and awe in there being something greater than just ourselves.
3: Yeah. You know, this is... The books coexist side by side to all religions. And I've read them at all different types of schools, different faiths. And they are more, if I had to sort of embody them and people that we all know, they're more Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Gandhi. You know, if your child could spend an evening with one of these beautiful people that have walked the, the earth, what is it that they would learn from these people? And, you know, it's sort of, It's the beauty of of raising good, true, beautiful, tiny humans into the world that they're going to inherit, much more so than, you know, this is the name of God and, you know, this is what we do and what we celebrate. Those things are part of family traditions. I respect them. I honor them. I would never challenge them.
1: We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will carry on the conversation with Ariane To learn more, please visit www.gigglesenjoy.com. On Twitter, you can connect with Ariane directly at click Ariane. And on Facebook, Ariane de Bonvoisin. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise.
0: Who says money can't buy happiness? Whether you are a skeptic or seeker, check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, a boot camp manual for greater emotional fitness is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Here's a truth bomb. Emotions are contagious, and happiness is a universally desired state. But we tend to forget that we all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstances. Explore the journey of human happiness, how to find it and keep it, with Lisa's documentary film, H-Factor. Where is your heart? Visit HarvestingHappiness.com to learn more.
1: Welcome back to the show where we're talking about guiding our children to live with compassion, how educators can teach universal love and acceptance, with my guest, Ariane de Bonvoisan. Listen, if you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast episode. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind, free, legal, available 24 7. Let's rejoin the conversation with Ariane. Ariane, prior to the break, we were talking about the journey that led you to write these books, and I'd love for you to share some of your learnings when you've gone into the school, some of the the funny, quirky stories that you have about, you know, kids teaching you.
3: Yeah, You know, one of the beautiful things is a lot of teachers take one of these skills and work with the kids for a week. So let's say they take, you know, forgiveness or kindness or breathing or the beauty of their body. And for a week, that is the theme, that is the focus. I could tell parents to do this at home as well, where the whole family gets to focus on this particular skill. One of the things I've loved doing is, you know, there's a poem in there called Sad and Mad. And it is an amazing thing to learn and understand the inner working of your child to really figure out what makes them mad. You know, I asked kids the other day at the YMCA what makes them mad. And one kid was very upset that people were cutting branches in Central Park because it was hurting the trees, like very upset. And it was just... Do you see, it was just the sweetness of this little boy who just loved trees, and it was like unacceptable, and he wanted to make it a law, you know, and then to understand what makes them sad. You know, we're so keen to understand our children, and going beyond just the how was your day at school, or did you make any new friends, these books are are sort of a, a doorway into, you know, languaging what your child is feeling, but if you're not able to ask the question, you actually will never know.
1: Mm. And, and that is so important, is is asking powerful open-ended questions of our mm. kids and each other, you know,
3: mm. yeah. open-ended. And it creates a dialogue where, you know, so many times we think that we're the parent and, you know, they're the child. And, you know, I know what I encourage parents is to have this equality in some ways of soul to soul, where I always say, I go, what do you want to teach me, Everest? Or what do you think mom, you know, needs to learn? And there's sort of such a beauty in putting him in the role of the teacher, because he it is 100%. I thank him at night. I said, thanks for teaching me. You know, so the, the skill for a grown-up is to know that let let your child heal you. Let your child take you on a journey that they know things that we don't know, or at least we've forgotten.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think you bring up something really important about forgetting. I think that as we grow up, as we go out into the world and we become professional people and and we start having children, we do forget that sort of essential joy, you know, that kernel, Mm -hmm. that happiness that comes from picking a flower or looking at the trees in Central Park.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's one of the reasons that I called the three books what I did, because Giggles and Joy is definitely forgotten for adults. And it's sort of, I don't know where it goes. I don't know when it stops. You know, I'm keenly observing, knowing that we're loved, like just loved, not for what we do, not for what we change, not for being perfect, not for performance, and allowing ourselves to be ourselves. Like, those were the three to me that were that were most forgotten.
1: And giggles and joy. We do forget in adulthood. Uh, I spend a lot of my days working with adults who are challenged with addiction and depression Mm -hmm. and trauma. And we do creative play at times. Um, And I'm thinking about a day last week when we played water balloon baseball. Mm -hmm. And the clients said that they can't remember the last time that they laughed so hard and silly and mm. pure.
3: Mm. That's beautiful. Like I remember, you know, I'm here in Central Park and Central Park near Central Park it's very hot and my son wanted to go to the sprinklers. And of course I pack his swimsuit, I don't pack mine. I'm in a summer dress and I see him he's giggling and laughing in the sprinklers and For like 10 minutes, my mind was like, but Ariane, just go in. Like you go in the sprinklers. I'm fully dressed, right? And I'm thinking, no, I can't. I've got to be serious. I'm an adult, you know, whatever. And after 10 minutes of my inner voice going, Ariane, just go in the sprinklers. I ran into the sprinklers fully dressed. And I promise you, it is a a moment and a memory that I'll treasure for life. My son looked at me like I was the coolest mom in the whole universe because I was running around in the sprinklers fully dressed. And it was yeah. It's such, it's such a sweet moment. I'm, I'm, I would have regretted it not doing it. And maybe that's the challenge of
1: the week to our listeners: to to go out and play in a way that brings you back to that childhood wonder and awe.
3: Mm. Yeah, lovely. I love that challenge. I'm I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in
1: too. I'm in more and more. The more I do these kinds of experiential activities with clients, the more I realize it's also therapeutic for myself, you know? And we can do this every day. These this doesn't cost anything. You know, it's it's free and it's available. And I guess this brings us back to the purpose of these books that so much of what we are seeking as human beings is a uh, a resource that's already within us that we have forgotten about.
3: Yeah. It is it's sort of a a knowing that, you know, even though life on the outside seems crazy, we don't understand it, we don't have answers, and we, you know, desperately try to take control of that, that there's an invitation to try and come back on the inside. And that part is where there's some inner peace or calmness or connection to something greater. And the angry
1: person that you might encounter on the street If you look at that person, you know, through a lens of empathy and compassion and think "Hmm, it's unfortunate that person can't access in this moment this this childlike perspective Mm -hmm. because it would make Mm -hmm. them happier. And Mm -hmm. and it softens, you know, rather than Mm -hmm. being grumpy that they're grumpy. It's like, no, no, I'm going to choose something else. I'm going to make some joy today.
3: Yeah, you know what I always do too is i I think one of the cornerstones of growing as a human being is self responsibility, where you just give up the blame and the looking outside at why something is wrong. And for me, I always go, "Wow, you know, I I, I have been the angry person, and I I still am yep. sometimes." And so there's a. There's a sort of letting go of like, you know, why is this happening? And, you know, when I have an issue happen with my child here at home, my very first go-to question is what's what's going on with me right now? Did I get an email that upset me? Did I not, you know, do enough work today? Did I not get to the gym? Like, because I know that once I clear what's going on with me, my response to my son will come from a much less reactive place as opposed to him or of getting all of my anger and all my frustration of my day, which has nothing to do with him.
1: Yeah. Well, it's the inner balance. And as adults, I believe we lose track of that easily.
3: Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm all for any form of self-care. And the sooner your child realizes that, you know, mom needs to take a long bath, mom needs to talk to a friend right now, they also give themselves permission to take care of their own needs.
1: Indeed. So what's next? I know you've got some other projects on the table, and I know you're starting out with these books and promoting them now, but you you want to grow this.
3: Well, you know, I want to have this be the beginning of a big conversation about the importance of, you know, building children's spirits. Um, you know, there's a big study that showed that Building up a child's spiritual nature is one of the most important things they can do. It's a 25-year study that was done. And I feel like parents now are asking for more guidance about, well, how do I teach forgiveness? How do I actually practically teach telling the truth or intuition, which is not something that most parents ever teach or mention in their house? And so I've taken those skills that parents really want some practical day-to-day. In the moment, what do I do? And I'm creating an online course that people can take any time. They can give it to their nanny if they have one because they're also having a big influence on your child or grandparents, anyone who is around your child. So that's going to be out in the fall, I'd say probably November um, that'll be on the Giggles and Joy website. And just doing more, you know, more sort of approach into schools and curriculums. And we've been giving the books away to a lot of public schools, you know, who wouldn't necessarily have the budget just to feel like this is moving and coming into the world. But I'm open to, you know, anything that is a fit to continue the journey. That I think books have their own life and their own sort of direction too. So, and I'm doing one-on-one coaching with parents that's always, you know, even if it's just for an hour to allow a parent to sort of offload and get a little bit of of direction as to maybe tools to try. Well, I think really
1: what's being taught here is spiritual intelligence.
3: Hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And again, that has nothing to do with religion. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, how's this going to work in the house? And the amazing thing is the children gravitate to the book or the poem that they most need. So they keep coming back to, Mom, can you read me? You know, take a deep breath. Or, Mom, can you read me? You are safe. You know, which are two separate ones. Or They, they, they go to either the imagery or the energy of what's on the page. And the same thing for grownups. Like, Believe me, I've read, you know, Bye Bye Bad Day a few times in the last few weeks because I need Bye Bye Bad Day. And it's a sweet, funny story about, you know, you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, everything looks great. And you go to sleep and you're like, wow, what just happened? You know, and so how do you wrap up a day? How do you how do you keep what was good and actually not take on the rest of what was there? And there's it's a ritual, you know, once kids know how to do it, they'll do it for a long time. And when we speak about
1: mindfulness, which is such a buzzword these days, this is where I believe the children are the leaders. They already know it's embedded in their DNA to be mindful when they're young. And then life happens.
3: Yeah. Because to me, mindfulness is not meditation. It's not sitting on a yoga mat. To me, mindful is right here, right now, what's going on. They can be so mad at you, and then two minutes later, they're hugging you and telling you you're amazing. And it's sort of, we, as grown-ups. my gosh, has my child taught me a lot about, you know, getting through something, forgiving, letting go, and coming back together quickly. Forgive fast. You know, we, we have a, a little prayer in our house that the Hawaii hopinopo prayer is, which is, you know, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, and I love you. And we taught this to him when he was three, but it's a way for him to recover. You know, they know when they've done something. But instead of it being about discipline or whatever else a parent wants to do, it allows the child, it gives them a tool. But I, I've I've had to use that with my husband sometimes where I'm like, okay, here it goes. You know? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm going to say it first as opposed to waiting for him to say it, you know. And yeah. so that's where you can feel that healing happens within a family. It's not just, you know, your child that you're trying to, you know, give spiritual intelligence to so that they can go through life.
1: We are out of time. Thank you, so Ariane well. de Bonvoisin. To learn more about these joyful books, the series and Ariane's work, please visit www.gigglesenjoy.com. You can connect directly with Ariane at click Ariane on Twitter and on Facebook. That page is Ariane de Bonvoisin. Ariane, thank you so much for hanging Thanks. out with me.
3: Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks for all the beautiful work
1: you do. Oh, uh, well, thank you. All right. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests today, Craig Pomerantz and Ariane de Bonwassant, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day.
0: Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime and anywhere from the comfort of wherever you are. Subscribe, listen, and share hundreds of downloadable episodes via our free app or from our libraries at toginet.com, iTunes, Google Play, and other fine podcast platforms. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU Radio Malibu.net and is available on PRX, the Public Radio Exchange.